Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. Once again, Steve Hayes is breaking news on the issue of Benghazi and the cover-up. Steve Hayes, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. Hey, Michael. How are you? I'm doing great. I have to say, I, when you look at the things that get called scandals, like the story they're trying to invent against Scott Walker of Wisconsin, and then you look at real scandals like Benghazi, you have to think, where the heck are the journalists? That's a pretty big double standard, although I think, you know, in, in the... Uh in the 36 hours since we've seen the emails in Wisconsin actually released where people have had a chance to go through them, there seems to be a, an emerging consensus that, the, that it was a big nothing burger. I mean, even mm-hmm. Politico had its lead story for quite a while, uh, basically Skywalker not hurt by the emails, uh, that they were sort of a snoozer. But my point is the information you keep bringing forward of an email record and of public statements by people in the CIA that completely contradict what was said before, that scandal's just sitting there waiting like a beached whale. Where the heck are the journalists to feed on it? You know, it's, it's interesting, and I've got to give credit to Catherine Herridge, uh, who works at Fox News, covers intelligence at Fox News. Uh, when I first read the Senate Intelligence Committee's report, which was released on January 15th, I missed uh, something that has to do with the CIA's number two, and, and one of the things that I think is, is getting and will continue to get more scrutiny about the Benghazi scandal and the Benghazi story. And, and that is that Morell had claimed uh, under oath that uh, the emails, the email traffic uh, that went around with the talking points, what the CIA provided to the White House and the administration was just as sort of a heads up not for coordination. And the Senate report in the minority views uh, said that he made that point emphatically when he testified under oath back on November 15th of 2012. Well, when the emails were released, some hundred pages of them, it was very clear that that was not true. Uh, And in fact, something closer to the opposite was true. What struck me as I went back and reread these emails was just how many times uh, CIA officials, including Morell himself, actually used the word coordination. So they're sending this information to the White House to give the White House an, an opportunity to rewrite the talking points based on classified intelligence. And Morell goes and testifies under oath that that's not what they were doing. It's simply not true. And why is the coordination issue important? Is it just because of this contradiction in Morell's testimony, or is it that it shows that the CIA's assets were being used for political purposes during the height of the campaign to try to protect the president from tough questions about his Benghazi policy and his actions in the days after? I think it's both. I think, you know, there's no question that that Mike Morell, who was at the time the number two, uh, at the time of the Benghazi attacks, the number two official, at the CIA, and when he gave this uh, testimony that Republican lawmakers have told me uh, they consider false, was the acting director of the Central Intelligence Agency, uh, giving false testimony to Congress about what he had uh, done with respect to the talking points. So I, I certainly think that that's part of the issue, that Morell provided false testimony. And there's um, many more examples of uh, misleading testimony or misleading statements that Morell gave both in the context of congressional hearings and also in private meetings uh, with members of Congress, uh, which is a, a big problem. But I think your, your second point is, is also a key point. I mean, why was the Obama administration, uh, why was the CIA providing Obama, the Obama administration, in effect, political cover? Why was the CIA taking the, the straightforward, fact-based 
reports that the agency was getting from the field and running them through what turns out to have been a political filter uh, and then providing scrubbed down, rewritten talking points to the administration that were much more consistent with the political spin the administration wanted to make six weeks before an election. Also, but what about the idea that it feeds the administration's, hey, well, we didn't know nothing. You know, we sent Susan Rice out. She didn't know nothing because they were being told, the, given the, uh, you know, the wrong information. And it's not the White House's fault that they didn't know what pretty much everyone else in the world knew, that it was clearly a coordinated terrorist attack. Well, I, I don't think that there's much evidence to actually support that uh, case from the White House. Um, I think if you look at if you look back at, at what happened here, we now have 100 pages of of email traffic that was released back in May of 2013 um, that did a couple of things. One, it clearly contradicted claims that were being made by Jay Carney, uh, Hillary Clinton, uh, other senior administration officials that the White House, neither the White House nor the State Department, played any substantive role at all. In, uh, in these talking points. That simply was not true, and those emails make that clear. Uh, but the second point, I think, here is that it's obvious that there was some level of offline coordination between Morell, uh, others in the administration, uh, others in the intelligence community that was m- referred to several times in the emails that we do have. And in particular, there was a deputies committee meeting on the morning of Saturday, September 15th, in which many of these additional changes and rewrites were made, many of the decisions about how to sell the story apparently were discussed. So the White House trying to claim that they were the object of the sale, in other words, they, they, they had this uh, clunker of a story sold to them, doesn't stand up. It appears that people in the White House were, right, were involved in putting the story together. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, look, we, we can go back and look again at those uh, at those emails, and you can see suggestions about changes that came from the State Department, concerns raised uh, by a a State Department spokeswoman who said that she was consulting with, quote-unquote, building leadership about what would not be uh, included in in the the talking points that were ultimately made public. And then, of course, you have the the entire story about the video, which is not, uh, doesn't play a role in the emails talking points, but becomes uh, significant for the story, the administration's spin, uh, in, you know, starting September 13th, 14th, 15th, and really for two full weeks, the administration tries to blame this on the video. Uh, one last question for you, Steve Hayes. Where are we now as far as uh, Congress moving forward? We know that they have, you know, uh, different committees, different hearings. Is there kind of a target of, say, a person they want to address like Morell, or is there a, a fact that they're trying to hone in on that will then lead to another step, or are we going to be in a cul-de-sac on the uh, Benghazi story? No, I would expect to see some movement. I mean, it's, it's unclear exactly what's going to happen. Republicans, of course, don't have the majority in the Senate, and so the Senate Intelligence Committee is a little bit restricted in what it can, can do, despite the fact that these Republicans on the Senate Intelligence Committee are the ones who are accusing Mike Morrell of having not been honest with them in his testimony. But I do think that you're going to see a more concerted effort from the House of Representatives, from the the members of the House of Representatives who have been following this most closely, I think, are determined to get some answers and to hear from people. I mean, we still haven't heard from Susan Rice. It'd be very interesting to hear from Susan Rice. What was she told? Where did the video story come from? Why did she make that argument? Who told her to? Why didn't Hillary Clinton testify? 
I think they would like to hear from Mike Morrell. I think they would like to hear again from Hillary Clinton, from Leon Panetta, who uh, could could be called back to explain again why uh, what he told the president on the evening that he met with the president. We now have testimony from uh, Carter Ham, uh, one of the the generals in charge of AFRICOM, who testified to Congress that he told Panetta that uh, this was a terrorist attack immediately after it happened. And then Panetta went and briefed the president. Well, it would be good to get details about what Panetta told the president. So I think there are plenty of outstanding questions. Um, there are, you know, I, I would think for any journalist with a modicum of intellectual curiosity, it would be an interesting story to chase. Well, if but, you can find uh, those guys and gals, let us know, Steve Hayes. Steve Hayes here on the Weekly Standard Podcast. Thanks so much for your time. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.